Hello and welcome to Brap Talk. My name is Shaheen Alvandi, and this is a weekly podcast. And I say weekly with a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Mostly weekly podcast about all things motorcycle and life and universe and everything. Today's guest is the lovely, handsome, long-haired, gray pant gray shirt wearing <laughs> Quentin motherfucking Wilson. Good evening. Yeah, good evening to you, sir. Um, what are we drinking tonight? Mm. It's carrot juice. But like with a twist. Yeah, with um, ginger. Ginger, gin, carrot. Gin and ginger. Lemon. There's all kinds of, this is basically a good for you power drink with some gin in it. Yeah, it's you put the gin and ginger. You put some, hey. <laughs> I see what you did there. And, and simple play. syrup to offset the bitterness uh, yeah, a little, of the... Little, little naughtiness. you yeah. got to have a little simple syrup to <laughs> keep things exciting in life. What's life with a little, without a little simple syrup in it? How's your week? Uh, pinned wide open. Yeah? Yeah. Pinned wide open. Oh, man. It's good. Yeah. Is that, is that, or do you like that speed? That pace? Yeah, I'm finding that. See, here's the deal. When you get used to life at a kind of a medium pace, if you will, <laughs> <laughs> then you get used to it. And then everything's cool. Or if you're just doing nothing, you get used right? I'm yeah. pretty good. I'm really good at relaxing. Not everybody is, no, right? Not I'm everybody. Ha- I'm terrible at it. I, that can sit with themselves or do nothing yeah. or just lounge. Herkle Durkle. Herkle Durkle. That's the term. Holy shit, I learned that yesterday as well. Is yeah. it from you? I, I don't know. So I called, there was a recent situation where a guy stole a jacket from our friends at Langlet's Leathers. That's right. That's right. And I had just seen the term Herkle Durkle somewhere. So when I reposted the picture, I'm like, hey, keep an eye out for this Herkle Durkle. And I was just saying it because it's a funny. It is. Quasi pejorative. But it means something. But it does. And it in turns. Scottish. Right. And I had, that's who I'd seen it from, a social media person that was in Scotland. It said Herkle Durkle. And I didn't look up and understand the significance. It is sitting like basically laying in bed in the morning and not doing anything yeah. like when you should be but maybe not when you should be you're just that just chilling. S- saturday and sunday yeah. when you're just not going to do the thing in my house we call that dicking around Dick. just fucking doing nothing <laughs> right so uh i can herkle durkle with the best of them Man. and and some people can't but i haven't been and i'm finding that uh from a general uh quality of life standpoint it's been extremely good because now i am hustling including like doing this right yeah so this is work i mean this is still yeah it's committing to a certain time frame yeah drinking a little gin (laughs) talking to your favorite you know 10 or 15 listeners well yeah (laughs) and if i'm bouncing around so in my my realm as we had just talked about i don't want to spend a lot of time on me this time because we need to go to you but in my realm it has been flying across the country um, doing that bagger thing and then uh, coming back here and doing boat things. So the electric boat thing that I'm on is in full swing Ooh. and there's a lot going on. So that has caused a lot of just stuff. Lack of Herkel Durkle. Yeah. No, not much Herkeling during. We have to figure out what the opposite of Herkel Durkle is. You know, it's funny. We, because we live in the Pacific Northwest, we have this, you know, sort of wet, moist time of year. Moist. It's just this non-stopping moist um, air all around you and it's not humid it's just constantly no, no, drizzling not. raining yep. some form of precipitation coming yep. down from the heavens and so because the sun kind of goes down early as well for us this time of year oh yeah it's like dark hibernation like, time oh god yeah so my version of herkle durkle is it comes around this time of year sure i'm such a sun worshiper in the summer when it's light at 
fucking 10 p.m. Oh, it's so wonderful. Oh, dude, I'm out doing things. And not a lot of people can appreciate in the in the above the 45th parallel right. as we are. It really does. It's a slow burn. So all of this hate we have for this time of year when it's dark at 430 right. and <laughs> it is made up for. And it does make it sweeter oh, when it's midsummer and it's that cool evening and the, the light's still going and it's 930 at night. It's great. The, the world famous Brian Catterson at our shop created a track day that's an evening track day that happens. There's like this magical spot in the middle late June where the sun sets at like 9 p.m. And so you still have yep. like an hour of daylight left because when it sets, it's the slow burn, as you yep. call it, right? Yep. And so we do this track day once a year in June that starts at 4 p. and goes till 9 p. And it's just beautiful. I've got to so, get to that one. Oh, There's been so a couple fun. years now so where I think I've heard it at my house because I live really close so to BIR close, yeah. to where it's like a music in my ears, not a uh, all the all the people in my neighborhood whinge about it. But I love it. And because it's not that loud, it's just yeah. kind of a, you know, you know, and you'll hear that hum. And it's right. like, oh, they're at the track. Oh, <laughs> right. Yeah, sure. I want to be there. I get the foam over the track so bad. Um, yeah. So, you know, I. I I learned to herkle durkle this time of year because I go so hard. You're pinned wide open the rest of the year. Super wide open, basically between like March till October. Yeah. And so my version of herkle durkle is the goddamn PlayStation 5. I love it so much. I. What do you play? So basically two games. I bought this expensive ass thing to play two games. One is Call of Duty. I just love getting online and just fucking killing teenagers online that's what i call it to Anne. i'm like yo i'm going downstairs kill some teenagers so this is sorry i do not and have not played this is a first person shooting game yeah so i haven't played since doom maybe a little quake in the 90s and then i stopped so couldn't love you more if i tried right now but that's amazing to me that was it though that was all right i was in this is you know like call of duty honestly i started back at the doom you know years and they were very sort of mapped out you have yeah. one place to go and yeah you've got a whole world now yeah it's a wide open map and you go around you have every gun possible and it's very ultra realistic there's a big part of me that wishes that we could just relegate actual war to this yeah like hey i have an idea yeah. get your best players yeah. against our best players and whoever wins wins you know? <laughs> right. good job yeah <laughs> um so anyways it's it's a fun way of blowing on up out steam Gran Turismo, the racing simulator game. Car, though. Car. Yeah. Um, it has had me since it came out 25 years ago. Hmm. And so I have become a PlayStation fanatic because of Gran Turismo. That's been the main reason I've stuck to that platform. Because Polyphony that makes that game only makes it for... What's it called? Polyphony. Huh. You had an it epiphany like, about Polyphony? Like polyphony. Really? Polyphony? Yeah, I never yeah, It's heard like that. P-O-L-Y phony. Ah, okay. I probably have seen that, but I haven't yeah. pronounced it. Okay. So that's that's their like thing. And didn't they make a movie about this? Oh so they did. And I was like one night while I was Herkle Durkling, <laughs> I saw it come up on Netflix for free. I was like, all right, for free, fuck it. I'll watch it. Mm. So much better than I thought it would be. Yeah. Oh that's one where you would absolutely dude. expect the worst of oh, the worst. Dude. Right? <laughs> like I love the game. I'm like, fuck it. I love the game. I've been playing for twenty five years. Why not? I'll watch some of this. If it's terrible, I'll just fuck off and herkle dirkle doing other things. I watched the entire thing. I want to watch it again. I even got teary at one point. Stop it. I, I can't. I won't. I will not. Okay. <laughs> so 
And it's funny, several other Who's, people... Who are the actors in this? Forgot, I can't name Okay, it, so know? they're not... They're no, not no, actually, one of them, there's two actors of, of note. I feel like I should pull my phone out and look this up because someone's going to be yelling at their... Nah. Whatever the fuck they listen let them, to this thing. Let at. them yell. Let them have yell. <laughs> uh, all right, let's go. Gran Turismo. Not Gran Torino, you fucking <laughs> Is that the get off my That's lawn? That's the get off my lawn, okay. you fucking... <laughs> um, Gran Turismo has two actors of note in it. One of them played the uncle in uh, Strange Strange Things. Yeah. Not the uncle, the cop. The cop, yeah, yeah. Cop. I, I, he, I don't know his name, but I, he's... I don't he's, know him either. I've I enjoyed him as an actor, so and he, that's one of the few shows that I have actually seen. All right, here we go. We got some names. I don't know any of you. <laughs> Why is it doing it in this weird format? Because you're on okay, IMDb. So David Harbour, like, that's the uncle. David Harbour. Yeah, he's not huh. the uncle. He's like he's like this the trainer in the movie. Okay. So David Harbour plays the cop in Strange Things. Yeah, and many many other great yeah. things he's done. He's a great actor. Orlando Bloom. Oh yeah, he's yeah. in it. Okay, interesting. And he plays this guy who, I guess, works with like Nissan and Polyphony to create the Gran Turismo actual and races. He's actually a motorcyclist. That's right. Like he is. like like not just kind of like he's he's legit. I've seen. To a point, as legit as you can be. So those are the two main names I can come up with. Yeah. Oh, uh, I'm going to completely ruin his name. Beautiful man, uh, Jimon Honsu. He, uh, if you see his face, you'll remember yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. He's been in so many movies. A character right? actor that you would great. know. Yeah, yeah, sure. He's he's like in so many movies, and he does such a great job. And I don't know if he probably, I'm sure he has a major role in something. But yeah. he's in so many movies. So those three are the main names. All right, screw all that. The cars are what the star of the show. And for me, I'll say this. When I see some obscure car in the world and then somebody will say, I have played that in, and it's usually Gran Turismo. So I'm going to – let's throw out a couple weirdo cars. The – and I don't know. I think it's called a Suzuki Escudo. So the twin, the Pike's Peak the twin engine, that which is that a key car? car in the world, right? Well, and it was a key car in the Gran Turismo world when it first came out. I think I don't think it was the first game. Maybe it was the second or third game. They put that car in it. Yeah. And I remember that was my cheat card to get all the money in all the races. Okay. Yeah. Because this was when the game was fresh and, and, and for if you're a motorcycle person that doesn't give a shit about cars, that is uh, was was piloted by a guy named Monster Taijima, right. I believe. If I'm not gonna right screw up his name, but I got to be around this guy when I was on Pike's Peak a couple times. Right. And he, he they called him the Monster. He's awesome. And that it was a twin engine. Like one in the front, one in the back, yep. and I believe it was gnarly. Like at that time, just turbo, right? This is early nineties when that particular version yeah. was out. So it made a lot of horsepower, and it, and because it's Pike's Peak, which runs from nine thousand feet to fourteen thousand feet, they have to have like obnoxious arrow, so huge amounts of downforce. Just the biggest wings the, on the planet. Yeah, they have to have the big wings to get even normal downforce because there's no air up there. So these cars end up looking like bizarrely cool, uh, including the Audi of, uh, oh, I'm going to forget her name. It's going to kill me. Anyway, like it's going to kill me that I forget her name. But There was a, a, a woman that raced in, again, late 80s for Audi. You're going to, th- this one you, you can beat your telephone or, or your phone or your computer and be angry at me because I'm not, uh, Michelle, Michelle. 
I'm just going to kill him. Anyway, so let's move Michel on. Michel Mouton. Mouton. There we go. Mouton. Oui, oui. Okay. Anyway, so that car, bitchin'. There's so many Pikes Peak cars. Uh, even the Toyota, like, there's a bitchin' Toyota Tacoma-like thing <laughs> from the, right? Tacoma Extreme I, I think it brother. was Rod Millen or something still in or of one of the Illins. He was Illin and chilling. Illin was all about the Nissan line. Well, maybe something like that. I don't, no, I don't know. Now I'm going to, we, we should have our computers up. I don't. Anyway, we're going to go off into a, a, a. You guys, this show is brought to you by memory. <laughs> <laughs> right. We're both getting older. Bottom line, cool cars in that. And the other one, and I'm going to ask you because this actually will be close to your heart. Is the car that I think they called it the pig. So not the pig paint job Porsche, but the Mercedes oh, that the rally car, favorite. the red well, Mercedes rally yeah. car from like the late 60s, early 70s. That is just chunky. That's the original AMG. Exactly. Car. Exactly. The right. Red pig. The red pig. OK, oh. so did they have that in that and GT? It's it is it has shown its face in the last two GT games. OK, cool. And right. uh, <laughs> listen, when you're ready after this, I'll take you downstairs and show you my GT collection. <laughs> That's in it. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> so really cool offshoot stuff like that. And yeah. I, I always enjoy that. And I'm sure there's motorcycle games that might have something you know, like that. That's the thing. So there is like the ride uh, franchise. I think we're up to ride five now, which kind of takes on the same polyphony approach of having yeah. all these different brands of motorcycles, which if you really think about it, there's not that many brands of motorcycles mm-hmm. and that many models. So especially in the kind of like a yeah. street racy type yeah. thing, whereas polyphony can have thousands of cars. Motorcycle ride game has got like sub hundreds. I would imagine the engine that it takes to say, develop a car that has a specific behaviors that you're, yeah. that you're making it do in your pixels. Oh yeah. Doing that for bikes, like say if you said, all right, Polyphony or whoever is making this stuff, uh, make the Laverta V6. Right. And they're like, what? "Uh (laughs) And then you look at a a picture of the Laverta V6 and you're like, how the how, how would you change like it has nothing i mean it, i guess it would it would have certain things that are similar but it would just be all over the place on how you would make that do its thing or not as it were right so or a britain a britain oh. would be a great example of a bike that would have a very strange chassis dynamic Absolutely. compared to or a bomoda tessie and how do you make it actually do the chassis right. dynamic that's that's what i find personally and i would love to hear from listeners that actually play the game so we talk at gmail.com let me know your thoughts on this so anytime i've played any of the motorcycle racing games i find there is a huge disconnect between what i do on the joystick or whatever you use to play it and what happens there and so you have to sort of pre-plan your turn and pre-turn before it happens otherwise you end up in the green whereas in the car thing it's more immediate yeah they've done it for so long now they have they've created this immediacy and now there is hundreds and thousands of dollars that you can spend on steering wheels and pedals. Yeah. So you can have a real simulator yeah. experience. Whereas on the motorcycle, how do you do that? Yeah. Well, like, right. I, I, you I, need what you have in the shop. I that do, whole... but even that, that is no. so yeah. ungodly physically demanding that anyone that's ever hopped on the moto trainer at the shop after like two quote unquote laps, they're like, I'm out, I'm done. It hurts. That sounds like a good excuse for me to come to your shop and you just get bike fit. It's right. You think <laughs> two hours a week and you get your core exercises. All right, I'm machine. out. Start with that thing. You Dude. have a shower over in turn two. I, I think. Yeah, you come use the moto trainer for, you know, give it. I'll give you 10 minutes, not even two hours, 10 minutes. And then you got to go have to take a shower. So the thing with the motorcycle, the motor trainer is that it doesn't, there is no 
centrifugal force. No, there's no pitch you. back and forth. None. It just leans, yeah. and it leans at the tires. It doesn't pivot at the center no. of gravity. Yeah, it's not quite Josh that. Aaron got on it, and he did a phenomenal job, but even he was like, fuck, this takes a minute to get used to. Like, yeah. And he is, you know— a because he's not because it's not real it's, it's fake not, yeah it's not whereas on the car side and i just saw an ad strangely today uh an ad for haptic feedback devices so oh, yeah. l- little buzzers yeah. and you put at each corner of your rig so that it it's basically simulating you know sliding or bumps at each corner Ooh. which helps for the which i thought was fascinating that is fascinating see, yeah sure i love that a lot mm-hmm. kind of want to try that right we were talking about it for the boat, like, uh, because electric is so smooth. Right. And some of the, like, clunking it into gear when you're used to a boat, uh, especially an uh, a, a outboard, you, it's clunk, right? And you <laughs> don't have that. You just are no. moving the stick, and then it's in reverse, and you, unless you give it the beans, you don't know, right? Doesn't that make you think of, like, the argument people had for or against drive-by-wire versus a cable? Yeah. It's like there's that immediate Absolutely. connection between your sure. wrist. And the throttle actuator. It has taken so long for them to get that right. In general, it yeah. did take a long, it took years for them to get it because Yamaha started with it with the R6 back in like 07. Oh, yeah. And it was cables to a motor, which then did the thing. Right. Right? For the longest time, it took until I think the Panigale yeah, like was one of the, the first. That really was, had a good, and that's the word we kind of keep using is feel. Yeah. That's what's missing, right? Yeah. But you you barely hear about that anymore at yeah. any at any level. Most of them got really good. What the stuff we had on Altas, whatever's on an Alta feels great. You don't even oh, man. you so don't think good. about it, right? It's so good. It's a name. It's a German name, and I can't remember. But we had to get the throttles from Germany because none of the other ones worked. There was one from Domino, which is an Italian company, and it never worked. And it took a really long time for them to get that sorted. Zisratel, 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 yeah. <clears throat> well. What do you want to talk about today? Well, it, because it, it was like me, 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 me. I like the you, you, Q, you, Q, you. Q, 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 Q. Um, uh, like I want to hear what was has been going on with you since. And I guess we were phrasing it. It's a weird thing because we're like, well, uh, you're introducing me. Reintroducing you. But yeah, I guess I it's feel like a, a lot of people know who you are. It's Q2, right? Q, I like it. <laughs> right? Q2. <laughs> but oh. in, in your case, you're basically updating because it has been. I'm just SAV2 <laughs> version 2.0. <laughs> right. <laughs> Same uh, Shaheen, more gray beard. <laughs> a couple of more motorcycles in the garage. Uh-huh. Um, well, let's see. What has happened? I am still the general manager slash. Uh, Head janitor for Moto Corsa, the little motorcycle shop that could, tries anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you that are new to this, we're in Portland, Oregon, in the Pacific, beautiful Pacific Northwest. And uh, I am a general manager at a lovely little dealership, and it's got all kinds of accolades and the great stuff and this and that and the other. But my, in, my initiative since I joined Moto Corsa was several different, different angles, which I've achieved a lot of them, and I'm still working on some. Primarily what I wanted to do was, is, it's an ongoing thing, to create a safe, fun, relaxed environment for all riders. When I say all riders, I mean especially people that are typically marginalized and don't have a place in our lifestyle. Our lifestyle is primarily, well, has been in the past for, you know, men of a certain age, that can afford it and kind of play around with it. Yep. Motorcycles for better or worse in the U S are essentially one of the most expensive accessories. Most people buy the average motorcyclist in the U S according to the MIC still is riding just barely over 2000 miles a year. So it's an accessory. It's a 
five to fifty, sixty thousand dollar accessory that you buy that you use once in a while when you have time and go have a weekend with your friends or whatever. It's a utility for some, but not many, not and many. definitely not like it is in Europe. Or yeah, or in Asia, yeah. which is seriously utility. So I wanted to make sure there was a place for everybody. And I know it got a little bit of negative feedback, but a ton of positive feedback on I was concentrating and I still do on on people of color, on you know, female writers or, or, or honestly, non-cis male writers in any way, yeah. shape, or form. Um, some people roll their eyes at that. We know who they are. Fuck off. This is meant to be for everybody. I love this sport and this lifestyle so much, and it would be so such a shame for me not to be able to share it. So having the platform as a general manager, I kind of get to be on my soapbox on a daily basis and go, yo, this is my house, and you're welcome in it, period. Unless... You're an asshole, a racist, some some shithead who's trying to make this not fun for everybody. In which case, making uh, the people that you want welcome unwelcome. Right, right. So, which is a tough thing for I think a lot of people. They they get it like they think there's logic in it. Oh well, you're yeah. you're not tolerant if you're intolerant of me. Right. It's like, yeah, but wow. Yeah, I know <laughs> the mental gymnastics of that one. <laughs> you have I to do some to, real spring steps. I used steps. to kind of argue a lot, but now I just do. Yeah, I don't yeah. have to. Yeah, yeah. I don't have the bandwidth. And that is kind of power. Not power. That's the wrong way to say it, but it is. I guess it is. It's just like if you can have the power to just do and then not pay attention to it and yep. try and focus on the positive yep. and not absolutely focus on the negative. I mean, you have to you have to pay attention to it. You have to deal totally, with it. Totally. It's, it's part of life. I think, I think it's always been a part of my self-preservation. I moved around a lot since I was a little kid. Like born in India, lived in Iran, lived through war, moved to America, didn't speak English, moved around all over this country. I've lived in more states and I've been around more of this country than a lot of Americans. Most people. Right? Yes, so, absolutely. So I've had this really cool, privileged perspective of life. I use the word privileged because and I and I said to Is it because you're woke? I'm woke as fuck, bro. So no, here's the thing. It's funny. I think there's a privilege in surviving shit. Absolutely. Right? Sure. Like if you yeah, get yeah. to survive whatever yeah. the shit is and get to talk about it, there's like you've done it. Yeah, you, that's you, an you abstract thought, but you're right. Absolutely. It sure. is. I, it I can't because I can't have empathy for that because I've never had to survive anything. Right. But, but you've had your own set of circumstances sure, and whatever But it is. not to the point where I was fearful of getting bombed <laughs> or getting uh, uh, deported. Bomb. Doesn't right? matter? Yeah. So as a as a... You know, as an Iranian kid, I mean, Iran's always been sort of a taboo word, yeah. especially since 1979, right? And so it's funny. When I moved to the U.S., my mom begged me to legally change my name to Sean. That's not my name. No. And I kind of humored it for a while until like 20 years ago. And I was like, all right, I'm done. I can't. So you you did go by Sean. For a while. Yeah. For, for like the for peer pressure the, or mom yeah, pressure or. Just in general. Yeah. My mom to this day, when she calls me, she calls me Sean in her cute little Persian accent. I'm wow. like, lady, you, nobody else, you name me Shaheen. Let's yeah. stick to that, please. It's much more natural to me. I understand it better. Yeah. But part of that is survival, that you're just trying to figure it out, right? Yep. And so part of that whole life cycle that I've had that I'm not going to bore people with has created this sense of surviving instinct in me that works. Mm, I'm trying to figure out how to put this. It has worked for me to move forward in life. It has always worked for me to, you know, just keep kind of concentrating on the positive and try to figure out a way out of a solution, a, a situation without having to get nasty about it. 
I played rugby as a younger Shaheen and plenty of fistfights happened in that period of my life. Just like any person, I've gone through that myriad, whatever, you know, things that have happened in my life. But as I've grown older and wiser with my somewhat gray beard hair here, <laughs> I've learned to just move forward. That doesn't mean ignore the bad things. I try to correct it. I try to, you know, definitely speak up and stand up for the people that can't do it for themselves. But I've learned that the best thing to do, and calls it, I guess there's a term in psychology called gray rocking. No. You're a big gray rock in a river, and the river can't really move you, so it just goes around you. Yeah. Right? So... I love that. Through life, I kind of yeah. gray rocked a bit uh, to to not deal with an abusive step parents, bombings as a child, not knowing the language in America, being picked on as a yeah. little Iranian kid in the U.S. But it worked for me. So now, instead of just gray rocking and shutting down, I give someone a chance. And if they're a shithead, more than a couple of times of that chance, it's like, congratulations, you've now entered my FTG group. Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. Yeah. And when you're fuck that guy, you may move on with your life. Yeah. And so... And you can exist, and it doesn't totally. mean you want to destroy yeah. that person. I don't hate but, you. But they just need to go, you right? You just elsewhere do it your thing. It could be a lack of respect. It, it's it's not always a loathing or an anger. It's just no. kind of like extreme disappointment to the point where you're just like, yeah, poof, gone, yeah. right? Poof, gone. Kaiser Soze, gone. <laughs> just like that. He was gone. Um, <laughs> who is Kaiser Soze? I've always been curious. Um, so... That has helped me a lot in this situation with this dealership because for those of you who don't work in a dealership setting or know much about it, it's a dynamic thing that has a lot of moving parts um, logistically and emotionally. There's a lot of people that you're Especially working with. Especially at a place... On I'll say this, yeah. not unfortunately, but it is unfortunate because not a lot of shops have like a, an incredible heart and soul. Right. And and it's just not poofy. I'm not no. I'm not bullshitting. There are certain shops that have kind of a dynamic, and I'll call it eighty twenty rule. And I, this is as a regional representative for multiple motorcycle right. companies. You've been around. And right, so as that, I can tell you, it's eighty twenty rule. That means twenty percent of the dealers do eighty percent of the work, and that is the way it goes. That could be selling motorcycles, selling parts, selling lifestyle, selling enthusiasm. Right. That could be doing good at what what. They should be doing in motorcycling, right? And that's sort of our job, right? We we are stewards of this lifestyle to people that want to maybe be a part of it, right? Someone went to a movie and saw Ryan Reynolds riding of something, and they want to go. I want to be like that. I want to be like that. Yeah, I want to sure. like. I want to have that thing. Or you know, you're sitting at your favorite bar and you see a bunch of brother Davidsons roll up, and <laughs> they all look so happy, and then you know they're high fiving and they yeah, just yeah. did a thing, and you know. So there is a there is an an allure to motorcycling that is based on the idea of freedom and mental break and, you know, tasting and feeling and doing all the things on a motorcycle that, frankly, you can't get out of a car. Or a video game, back circling back. Or a video game. Yeah, because I, right. I had this conversation with somebody 20, 25 years ago that, like, video games are fun, but there's nothing that replaces nothing. the... The sound in your ears, the smell. And if, for me at the time, it was racing where, like, yeah. you can only get, oh, like, God, I was so racing good. two strokes and I did yeah. with this conversation. So you got the smells of all the race gas or the cooked tires, and right? And, oh, and the so sounds delicious. and the sights that are around you. And there's no replacement. Yeah. No matter how many times you have a video game that has really good interface, eh, it doesn't quite have that. So no. that's why I try. I was like, try, get people get on the vehicles, right? Which I... 
It feels like we're doing an okay job. It feels like yep. society definitely goes towards the video games, but there's a lot of people coming into motorcycling. Something happened in 2020 oh, yeah. during right. COVID where yeah, yeah. suddenly people realized that they have a little more time because a lot of people start working from home. And so there was a sudden drive and pull towards experiential, experiential thing. Yeah, right, exactly. Bicycling. Yep. It's funny. One of our clients is a, uh, is a uh, hand surgeon. And uh, hold on. This show is brought to you by Team Ann. Bring us... Um, Oh shit! Quiet snack. Hey, y'all, you can't really hear as well, but she says it's <laughs> quiet snack time. So she has brought us what looks to be some, things uh, that don't crunch. Things that don't crunch. We have cheese, we have prosciutto, and we have uh, more of our tasty, delicious. That doesn't have a name. The carrot juice cocktail. It's called Twenty Four Carrot Gold. Twenty Four uh, Carrat Gold. Okay, I like it. Love you, babe. Good day, sir. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, we're trying to record. <laughs> Um, yeah, there, there is, there is something about the sensations and nothing quite like motorcycling brings that sensation out. Oh, before Anne came here, what the thought stream of consciousness I was having was about people doing the experiment, experiential things. And I have a friend who's a hand doctor, a hand surgeon. And he said during, is he pretty handy? He's super handy. Dr. Handy. Um, he said that there was this crazy spike of hand injuries that yeah, happened because people are doing stuff. COVID. <laughs> it was an interesting mix that he said to me. There was a lot of people suddenly cooking at home. Yeah. So there was a lot of hand injuries in the kitchen ah, by people who yeah. don't know how to use a knife properly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even if they want to learn how to do it, they have like tools that are not sharp enough. So they're it's even worse. <laughs> I was like, dull knives are the worst. They're the most terrifying things. They're the horrible. My yeah. knives are all laser sharp because of this. So that was one. And then like people are taking up like rock climbing and motorcycling and mountain biking, yeah. all these things. And suddenly they're hurting their, their little paws. Their phalanges. Their phalanges are getting hurt. <laughs> so it was an interesting sudden twist of like, oh yeah, people are out there doing things that they haven't done before that they have probably daydreamed about. And now they're out there doing it. And motorcycling was a big part of that. Ah, absolutely. We, we as at Motocorsa were, I was like, okay, how do I bring this thing back up? And as a joke, it was like, well, we were the first. I heard social it distancing. Yeah, we were the original social distancing tool. You put on a helmet immediately. And fuck the off and go play. Right yeah. now, sweet Anne works at a large hospital, <laughs> and I it was always like, hurt. stop going and riding your motorcycles because right. if you get hurt, you cannot you are get into any fucking hospital. Yeah. They were all so overbooked. Yeah. So it was like, I for the first three months, three months didn't ride my motorcycle. I was like, I don't want to be part of the problem, but. Once things lightened up, yeah. we used that as a marketing tool. And it was like, hey, be smart. Wear all your gear. Good old ATA. What is it? All the gear all the time. Yeah. At GAT. Um, I'm a goat most of the gear most of the time. Most of the gear some of the time. Uh, Florida, you know, gear? What? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we, we saw that there was a sudden uprise in that. and But there was also a thing where people didn't want to get out of their house. It was a fear of... yeah. Getting dirty, catching something. Or social pressure, like, what were you doing out there? Right? Yeah, yeah. Sure. How dare you go out when everybody else is trying to be safe? <laughs> so what we did at Motocorsa was like, hey, we are being super safe about this thing. We're creating distancing. Everyone's wearing masks. I'm sure every one of you that's listening has your opinions on masks and whatever that may be. I don't care. Um, but as a brick-and-mortar place, we recognize that we need to be safer. We need to be more conscientious of people's energy and time and efforts. And so... 
when I went in, among the other things that I was trying to do was like, how do I make sure that we as a unit treat this as almost like a, a, a entertainment place? Remember, we're, we're selling a very expensive... It was already mostly that anyway. Yeah. But, but yeah. like, let's have fun with people. If you're going to walk into my shop, you're walking to my house. Hey, how's it going? What's your name? What are you up to? What's going on? Like, that doesn't sell motorcycles, does it? <laughs> funny enough, right? <laughs> the last thing we talk about is selling you a motorcycle. It's like, hey, let's just hang out. We're a bunch of bike nerds. We're like, tell me about your rides. Tell me about what track you've been to. Tell me if you've ever been to a MotoGP race. You haven't? I have. You want me to tell you about it? And so that's been the ethos of the shop from day one before I showed up. Yeah. And when I came back, it, it sort of waned a little bit. And so it, I it, it had waned a lot. That's, so I, I was there. So I have firsthand knowledge of this. I was there in what, 2015, mm-hmm. late 15 to in middle of 16. Right. So a few years ago. Yeah. You come from Ducati, North America, and you sort of had a minute I, to yourself. In, in between her, I was in there. And I, so I got to see it. And it was when it was. I would say the doldrums were happening. It wasn't mm-hmm. full. It wasn't horrible. There was nothing absolutely wrong, but it was just not the that verve was not quite there. And it right. had taken a while until recent times. Right. Whenever you got back in that, that verve, much like any love in your life requires constant attention. Absolutely. Right. You yep. can't be in a relationship and just nope. assume that they know you love them. Yeah. You, you got to be verbal. You got to do actions you gotta wine and dine and have fun yep and so for us it was like well how do we do that well let's engage let's give people a reason to show up here and have fun with us so we have constant engagement points of track days and adventure 101 classes especially since remember i am a i'm an exclusive dealer it means i just sell ducatis yeah you've got to sell each type of bike heavily to justify your existence as a single line dealer i have used bikes as well and they account for quite a bit of uh, you know retail for us but on the grand scale of things if you look at moto corsa it is an exclusive ducati dealership one of a handful in the country so how do you convince people to spend more money with you right if if you want to buy a mid-size adventure bike there's a lot of offerings right now ducati just joined the game a year ago on the mid-size side of things you know they they kind of dipped their toes in the water with the Multistrada Enduro back in 2016. Yeah, yeah. And then that was kind of an interesting leeway for us to the point where I bought one. And I was like, "Fuck it, I've never been off road before. Let me yeah. take this tank." And I learned my way around it. But you know, <laughs> <laughs> I, I took one out one time. I was like, "Well, that's interesting. This no. is never again. Don't do that again. It's a terrible <laughs> idea." So because you know, I'm I'm trying to be rah 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 team Ducati because that's what I sell. I was like, no, fuck it. I'm going to take this thing out and learn how to use it. I'm going to talk about it. Yeah. And lo and behold, to, it right? worked. We, we sell the most amount of Multistratas in the country because we talk about them constantly because, frankly, they work in this part of the country. And, yeah, let's face it, having the ability to, to sell the stoke on, hey, I can tell you a day trip. No, I can tell you 15 day trips. Right. Probably 25 overnighters right. and holy crap if you've got three nights boy do oh, i have man. an amazing ride for oh. you right that that and you could just, i can name all road oh yeah or some road and a little bit of dirt or holy crap i'm gonna scare you whatever the thing is from this spot and in southern california you can do that kind of kind of but not no not at not this like level. here man the pacific northwest has this just insane collection of these veins that get off the main road path 
and like you said, if you want it to be paved, kind of paved, not paved, holy shit, scary, you have your pick. And you can stop at any given time during yeah. that and just come back on roads yep. or whatever, generally, yep. right, within reason. Yep. It's it's not – that's the best part of it. Yep. The, the web is so thick here. It's great. Oh, I did this yesterday, Q. I got on my Desert X, got out there, and purposefully got lost in, like, <laughs> what my best friend and I call one square on the map. You know, if you open a map, yeah, yeah. square. Sure. There's times we'll spend three hours in totally. one square. Yeah. And it's like, fuck, I've covered like five square miles. Yeah. But I've gone back and forth so many times. And that's the beauty of it. There's so much of that. And there's there is kind of like the safety factor of knowing that at any given point, I can just backtrack a couple of miles and I'll be in civilization. Especially now with the way apps and stuff yeah. exist. Yeah. yeah, for sure. It helps make it easier. Big time. I, I My phone has five different mapping apps on there to make sure I have on online and offline and yeah. Garmin and whatever the fuck. I think that's the fun part for me is what I don't, I don't have any of them. No, like no. every once in a while I'll have one mainly for dirt riding just because the, right. But like I got caught this last year when I was like, Oh, I'm offline. I don't have a map <laughs> that, you know, I'm, it out. I, I'm somewhere between Oak Ridge, Oregon and <laughs> D- Detroit Lake. And I was like super lost, but boy, was it fun. It's super fun. <laughs> Isn't it funny how dense it is too? Yeah. Because, like, if you look at it on the map, you're like, well, fuck, Highway 26 was right there. No, yeah, no, no, no. It's not that simple. I always think of the the Oregon Trail, the original, yeah. you know, the stories. Yeah, of you've like, died of dysentery. Right. Oh, God, over and over again. But it's like, they were right there. Yeah. There was a better path right there. Yeah. So, anyways, you know, I was saying this to you before we even got online. You're, you are my adventure muse. You're so good at just putting on your gear, filling up the bike taking some water and a snack and being like, bye. Yeah. So one of the things that I hope you do more of, if you're not already doing it, is drop some cookie crumbs for okay. us. Okay, yeah. Because I'll have to get one of these apps. You were talking about, I will is give it Rever? You a, I, yep, Rever, which w- I bet we can probably have them sponsor this show a couple of times. I will give you a membership to Rever because I have a couple of cards. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. And fact, I would use it too because I, I got to be like, there, there's part of this is the social interaction of look where I went, look where I can go. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, uh, I don't necessarily want to be like that. But at the same time, dude, I want so, you to be like that. Some of, yeah, some yes. of it is. So what I would normally do is when I get home, I will go to Google Maps and I will do the best job I can. <laughs> and it's really difficult because you can't always no, get the fissures correct, right? When you're not taking normal roads. Right. But I do a pretty good job of like screenshotting or whatever that setup. And I show people, well, this is where I went. And most people are like, oh, well, whatever. But if you really look at it, you're like, huh, how the So Rever even has a word. It does like a topographic like 3D. Oh, yeah. When, at the end that? of the ride when oh. it goes through. Because David, our buddy That's right. uh, from that is now in Southern California, used to be at Icon Works here. Biltwell built well now. He is like a huge rever dude, right? He's so big. He's he's buddies with all those guys, and he's constantly. If David commutes to work, he revers it, <laughs> right? But it, then he he lines up, and said, "I rode twenty. He took twenty something so thousand miles many. last year. He puts more miles on his motorcycle than most people do in their cars. <laughs> and I mean, that's probably right? half the reason he moved to San Diego. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. he can do it all year round. Sure. But he was doing near that mileage up Fuck here. Though. Yeah, he was. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. There's only so many people that like out motorcycle enthusiastic me. He's one of, he's them. One of them. And I'm like, God damn, that's I, amazing. I'm going to have him on one of these episodes. As you should. I told him and he's like, fuck yeah, I want to be on your show. So brother, 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 brother. Oh man. If you know Dave and even if you don't know him, look up at Moto Gluten because he's a celiac uh, on Instagram. And he had for a split second, the Harley Davidson shield bar and shield. 
It just said brother, brother, brother. <laughs> yeah, the brother, brother, brother. It's one of my favorite stickers I've ever seen because it's so perfect. And you can slap it on anything Harley-like. And people <laughs> will think it's a Harley sticker. <laughs> but it just says brother, brother, brother. <laughs> I love it so much. I wonder if Terry Vance will let me put one on one of the baggers. Oh, please. <laughs> oh, my God. Hey, can you put one of my safety throw stickers on one of the baggers? You know, at one point, mm. we had them on every Ducati bike in Moto America. It was like two or three years ago. Seriously? They all had safety throw stickers on them. I had simply given a couple to my buddy Ryan Peterson, who was also kind of racing uh, um, super hooligan. And then one day he takes a picture, and every bike that had a Ducati tag on there had a safety third sticker on there. Cool. And people at DNA were like, did you do this? I'm like, nope. I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't do anything. I gave people stickers. What they do with them is yeah, up to them. Sure. I don't know where it ends up. So, anyways, uh, big Brett, tangent. So Rever. Back Never. to or rides. Let me rides. see. Let's see how far back we're going here. Okay. Motor Corsa, Motocorsa. good rides. No, and I want to go back to the uh, adventure trainings. Yes, this is not something that was there. Was, there was nobody doing the same thing. There, there has been uh, like the Jimmy Lewis. Is it Jimmy Lewis? Yeah, Jimmy Lewis is one of them. There, there is, there is, there are adventure riding, you know, BDR training type people out there that you can pay hundreds or thousands of dollars to go into their camp for a couple of days and then learn some or or week right week, it, yeah yeah week would be better and those are great in fact jimmy Lewis is probably one of the top ones. he's definitely there. the top yeah, yeah. He, he's sort of i think literally written the book on it uh <laughs> the former editor of one of the motors motorcyclists Motorcycle cycle world, world something like that something. he's super probably high both, level probably extremely both. good at what he does i have not been to the class but it's one of those that i always look out for but it always fills too quick and i it's one of the few where i'm like i absolutely want to go to that so so my whole thing is you know as a dealership if you want to add value and have engagement as i was saying earlier it's easy to say track days because Ducati equals sport bikes equals track yeah, days. You right. know, we, we've been doing it for, I don't know, 18 years at Motocorsa now and have a good track, <laughs> track record of it. And <laughs> it was like, why don't we do something somewhat similar to this where, because our track day, the thing that really draws a lot of people to it, definitely drew me to it, was our ABC groups. A being Quentin, B being not quite as fast as Quentin, and C being, holy fuck, this is my first time at a track, Right. And Moto Corsa, when you buy a track day ticket, it costs the same for all the people, but the C group people get to have one-on-one -on -one with instructors in a classroom who then take them out and teach them basic track. And that's not always the thing with track days. So huh. it's been, I don't know, we're, we're in 25 or 30 years of track days now oh, yeah. that are consistent. Like right. I'm sure you could do a track day in the 80s, early 90s, but it wasn't as ubiquitous as it is now. It is Correct. fairly easy anywhere in the United States to find a track day that's that's going, at least during weather permitting, right. right? Right. So to see what has happened over the decades is really interesting. I love it. And it's some of it's good. Yours is good. Some of it's really bad, and it's intimidating, and you hear bad things because a track day that doesn't do this type of thing that you're talking about maybe caters to the local club racer a little bit more. Yep. It ends up being, on, I, you know, for better or worse, you call it the meat grinder. You're like, I don't necessarily want to go to that one. If you're in the A group or the – sorry, if you're in the fastest of the groups, right. you're usually – Okay, because then y you don't have to worry about the skippies. The meat grinder group is, <laughs> the, skippies. is the center group that yep. you get this the weird Thunderdome. It is. <laughs> you get the combination of people that should probably be in A group, right. but their ego wants to be able to, to beat all the people in B yeah, group. They want to sandbag a little bit. And then the people that are 
fresh out of the the slower group trying to learn and the delta is usually too vast right Ooh, the speed buddy. differentials are too much. i mean even in our track days there is a pretty good delta we do a really you do the best of most of them absolutely. try really hard to kind of monitor if i see you or if some one of our instructors or marshall sees you in b group just bombing it yeah. over and over yeah. again it's like and hey, by bombing it not necessarily being dangerous just being like obviously fast faster yeah, yeah. By, by many many seconds of the next rider we try to close that gap by saying hey you are really good here so we will appeal to your ego and say wow you're doing really well you're consistently doing well yeah hey can one of us fast guys come out with you and do a couple of laps if we think you're good enough we would love to invite you to go to a group it is a it is a somewhat intimidating prospect to some people sure i was one of those people to go into a group until you go there and realize how much cleaner, safer, more oh, consistent yeah. it sure. is, right? And that's consistency is key in the, any track day. You can show up in an R3 and still be in A group because you're consistent and people know how to pass you and get around you and you hold your own pretty well. You're wide open throttle all day long in that thing. But C group is where really my passion lies because it's it's a really lovely, wonderful place at my track day anyways where we say, hey, if you've got six seven months of riding on the streets under you you could probably come to our c group and learn more in an eight hour period than you would on a year by yourself yeah sure because it's it's a it's sort of like you're just out there learning the theory and then immediately applying it over and over again. how did you then apply that i went to the first the first one of the off-road version the, okay but how do you guys apply that in that realm so our adventure class we've lovingly called adventure 101 we're, we're assuming you've probably never taken your motorcycle off of the beaten path. You've never gotten off of asphalt. And this is a big deal because the what gets made fun of the most and what I would assume a lot of egos get hurt by uh-huh. is the, oh, it's a Multistrada. That right. means it's Starbucks time, right? right? Like every BMW GS. You're oh, like, yeah. oh, it's adventure cosplay, right? Well, and it is because they're like, I always liken them to SUVs. Yeah. Right. All the four. When are you SUVing? <laughs> <laughs> every every forerunner and every Mercedes G wagon is capable of doing the thing. Yeah. But majority of them are bought by people who aren't really going to do it. And some people, and this is the people that I like to appeal to, who dream of doing it. Right. They buy yeah. all the Farkles. They buy all the sure. bullshit for their yep. GS, Tanare, Tuareg, DX, whatever the fuck. Africa Twin. Right. Africa yep. Twin. All of it. And they buy all the stuff. Because they've read the things, they've seen the Jimmy Lewis videos, and they're like, hey, one day when I have a weekend away from blah, 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 I can take my whatever bike to somewhere and go camp overnight or just go and enjoy one of these views which every Instagram influencer, including Quentin Wilson, has taken a photo of, right? Every time I see a picture of triangulation points, I'm like, (laughs) God, what a view. Yeah. But how do you get there? Yeah. Right? right. Even if you want to just ride the the Forest Service Road, it's got some technical. Oh, pressure. yeah. Like I have taken a couple people up there and uh-huh. it's been like when you're on a normal motorcycle, not a dirt bike, you're like, wow, this is really yeah. steep. And there's like bitch. like loose scree on a few of these switchbacks yeah. that you do need to Try be walking up that bitch. a little <laughs> bit more normal. Like you can't just take somebody that, oh, this is like an off-road dirt road. No. Right. No, no, not quite. It's got something to get spicy a couple and times. And you're like, oh, it's only 3,000 feet. Yeah, 
it's, yeah. a, it's a sudden three thousand. Yeah, thing. man, it's it's right. That's yeah. It's a very interesting so, so dynamic. Those are the people, right? I love the dreamers. I love the. I just bought a Norton nine hundred one. People, I love the. Hey, I hear a KLR is a great bike for someone with my budget. Great. Yep. You've made a terrible decision. <laughs> I have, previous listeners know that I have a weird love for the KLR. I think KLRs are motorcycles that every adventure rider should experience. The fucking thing doesn't do anything right, but it'll basically do everything. You know, yeah, mostly. Dude, uh, one time I was in Southern, nah, uh, let's call it Central California, visiting a friend in Fresno. I was working for Ducati, had my KLR, no, not KLR. Oh, <laughs> wow, Freudian slip. Oof, I had right my XR650 on the back of an Audi, right. and I was just touring around, going, doing whatever. You're carrying a dirt bike in the back. Is it a Howdy? <laughs> yeah, it was a Howdy. It was, <laughs> normally it's the Rowdy. That's a Rowdy. But it was a Howdy. <laughs> Yeehaw. So go to Fresno, meet up with a friend that has a. At the time, the hottest KTM 640 Adventure, oh, yeah. like the one with the fairings, oh, yeah. but it was like before any of the 690, like 790. Yeah, exactly. So he had that, and then my buddy was working at a dealership, with, a, and he had the only thing he could get to come for a ride with us was a KLR. And at the time, it was the new body. I think it was fairly fresh new body style, whatever that <laughs> Listen, is, right? Listen, new body style and KLR together. Right, like, I know. Right. Hey, you know the new air-cooled Beetle? Yeah. <laughs> It's true, right? <laughs> and we went from Freztucky up past near, um, what is the famous place with El Capitan? Ye- not Yellowstone. Someone's yelling right now. I know. What is this? The okay. National Park that's in the middle of California, Sequoia. Uh, Someone's yelling. Stop yelling. I'm looking it up. El Capitan. Why is my brain? It's a summit in California. Thanks, Google. <laughs> <laughs> why, why am I? Yosemite. Yosemite. Okay, yeah. Little Yosemite. So we're near Yosemite, and we go up to a place called Shut Eye Point. I believe it's what it's called. Shut Eye. Oh. Okay. It's a. It was a fire lookout, <laughs> and in, in that cool um, granite outcroppy Ooh, realm. Yeah. It was a really cool ride. I bet. And my my buddy's a very experienced motorcyclist, and he got up to there on that bike. But as we're going, you know, the, the XR that I have, the Sexar. Was, was he grunting a little bit? It was, no, it was fine. Mine, mine was like overkill, not overkill, but it, it's perfect for that. It was right. like, you can't get back. The, the KTM we're riding All the torque, just was rap, awesome. Rap, rap, yeah, it's easy. But that killer, I mean, it was like, eh, I think I can. I think I can. But he absolutely did it. it just chug it chug along. Not even a question, right? Yeah. And we know that. But boy, our KLR people, they're really butthurt when you Listen, call them out, man. Bless, their, s- bless oh. your heart. Oh, with your KLR. Especially the new ones where they're like, hey, oh, hey, my God, it's, now. it's updated. And you're they're like. Fuel, and it's got it's got LED lights on it. So, <laughs> listen, it's basically a modern, like. Stop it. You, you know, There's I've no modern, this, modern. If you're looking into KLR, more power to you. But may I suggest a Yamaha Tenere 700? <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> Not far in the price range. No, that's the thing. It's, yeah. It's, and the little yeah. 700 motor, that parallel twin is a. It, 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 I think I can. I think I can. Yeah. So anyways. <laughs> yeah. Adventure 101. All are welcome, including KLRs. Um, and we assume you've never, ever, ever been off of asphalt. And, and you start from there. Yeah. This is. And we've been doing it very successfully with local legend Gregor Holenda. And Gregor has been helping a lot and kind of creating a curriculum that promotes you to do a bunch of pretty easy tasks 
And before you know it, you've done a medium level task. Dude, it is just like paint the fence, yeah. sand the deck. Yeah. Right? It, it is. This is full on. Wax on, wax off. Absolutely. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So when you do the balance drills, you think, oh, what, is, what am I doing here? Right? But then you go to the next right. thing. And before you know it, you're crane kicking it. Right? It's awesome. It's, it's a pretty cool thing to see because this it. is there's so many barriers to off-road. So many. Yeah. Especially even dirt bikes. Like, it's so scary. And the... The more that I'm in it, the more I'm recognizing it with others around, like taking my partner Jamie out, remembering or trying to force yourself to remember what it's like to ride up yeah. a steep up a steep dirt road and Absolutely. be like, oh, that's fine. You should yeah. be fine. And then have them turn around and be like, just dinner place for eyeballs. I cannot. She, she had an issue going down. And, I, you know, my brain flattens everything out. That's the way, especially if you're used to doing it. But then having a little of that, frankly, is it is it sympathy or empathy? I guess I can empathize because I was there one time, right. but it's been so long. So then now you it's have sympathy, to, right? So then you just got to think about okay, how can I? What kind of tools do I give this person? What it makes you have to do the yeah. thought process of how do you tell them when to use what brake and where to put your body yeah. and all these complicated things that are just second nature to you? It's a very difficult thing. It is, and it's it's uh, it's funny. Yesterday I was helping Ann exercise practice. Uh, sort of a hill ascend on her new monster. Like clutching up like it? clutching yeah, from yeah. a stop. From a, yeah, yeah, yeah. At some point when you ride around the streets in the Pacific Northwest, you're going to be yeah. stuck on an uphill red light. And if you're going uphill and you're not, if you're just going, you just go up a hill. But if you have to stop and then go up a hill. Yeah, it gets, it gets uh, terrifying if you're not used to it. Sure. Right, because you and I know to maybe put your right foot on the rear brake. And then kind of like feather the clutch and then give it a little bit of gas and release. Like and you and do we don't have to think about the balance part of it. So that little. Right. Right. So that just is gone. You don't even have so to think about that. Teaching and that I had to. She was like, well, what would you do? I'm like, no, that's a different. I, I am twice your size. I hop on the bike, put both my feet on the ground, hold the fucking thing up. Look, I yeah. can do that. Easy peasy. Yeah. Easy peasy lemon squeezy for me. But I thought about the last time I rode my Street Fighter to Los Angeles, and we stopped in San Francisco to have, <laughs> to have lunch with a friend. Did you go up to Knob Hill? I went all the way to Knob Hill. And uh, <laughs> was, I think it's called the Twin Peaks. Is that what it's called? That is, is that Potrero Hill? I don't know. There's two giant hills right downtown San Francisco. Yeah. Right. Okay. But yeah, maybe so. So I'm we not went sure. up this one to go have sushi with a friend. Oh, my God. The sushi was so good. Anyways, I'm thinking in my head as I'm going up it, this is one of the most steep yeah. inclines I've been on just on paved road, and I'm just riding a sub 400 pound superbike, but I still have to put my rear foot on the brake to hold the thing steady, and then exercise clutch release and yeah. throttle input to take off smoothly every time over and over again without the bike rolling down because it's not just going to be roll. It's a holy fuck, I'm going way down. And so I thought of that yesterday, and then I kind of stopped the exercise and I was like, hey, let's go back on flat ground. And I want you to show me where do you think the clutch engagement point of your bike is. And when I said that, she kind of tilted her head, looked at me, and she was like, what? I was like, ah, okay, let's go back to the one-on-ones. This is your clutch. This is your throttle. And she was like, I know what these are. I'm like, I get it. I'm fucking with you. But yeah, let's just put your bike on a flat ground, turn it on, put it in first gear. And then I want you to not give any throttle. No throttle. Yeah, that's Just key. gently release the clutch and see when the bike goes, starts going forward. And as she did that, she goes, oh, my gosh, yeah, it takes about an inch of release before it does that. I go, great. That's where you need to remember you have to be comfortable with letting go of this thing. So she kept practicing over and over again, and she slowly kind of got the concept, even though it was frustrating to her because she was working out 35 different things in her head. More than just the clutch. Right. right? Yeah. So 
that Adventure 101 class is <laughs> us having a real instructor, and Gregor does such an admirable job of just speaking in layperson's terms to everybody saying, hey, let's just put your, let's stand your bike up and walk around it while you hold it and just find the balance point of your motorcycle. We start from that. Like the first three hours of the class, you don't even turn the fucking thing on. <laughs> it makes me want to be like, hey, everybody, we're going to, you're going to stay off your motorcycle. You're going to pick it up off the side stand and you're going to back it into position. Uh-huh. I you know you it's think of oh, you yeah. think of the oh, very yeah. simple things that help you get understand balance right that actually might be a really good thing to yeah, do we'll try it <laughs> so the beauty of that class is that we're in a five acre plot of land a dear friend of ours uncle G has kind of curated this land it's a Christmas tree farm that he's built his own like little personal you know motor dirt bike riding trail. So there's a little flat track yep. um, like a teeny tiny, little paperclip flat track second of a mile yeah long. it's bitching it's for <laughs> mini bikes but yep. it works really well and then the little dirt track little are, whoops the, the, and yeah berms very and simple nothing super. nothing like what you're thinking of like a, a like i don't know a motocross track 101 pretty cool a couple logs in a couple places though if you yeah, want to get spicy beams if you want to get yeah, yeah, on it. yeah i've gone on that with the desert eggs and get pretty good at it so so that's what the whole idea is. Dear writer, you have bought a kind of motorcycle because you have the dream of taking your Toyota 4Runner to the next, you know, cool overland thing. Well, this is the motorcycle version. Does the 4Runner have a tiny little Wada? It's got a Widow Wada in the back. <laughs> <laughs> we we got to figure out what is the Widow Wada for the, uh, for the adventure bikes. Are you kidding me? It's the Moscow fucking rackless system. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone wants a Moscow system on their bike now. Yeah. Love you guys okay. to death with Moscow. Yeah. You created a lifestyle you, you thing. You got your widow bags. Yeah, widow bags. You got your <laughs> widow extra fuel cell in there. <laughs> I jest, but I love you. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's good. <laughs> no. I think that's what Dude, it is. Dude, you just plugged a, a very <laughs> good system of luggage. You, it's like you can't hack on it. Can't. They, they do a really good job Fucking with it, right? Fantastic job. Um, Although I'm a hard case guy, and this is an interesting dynamic, a lot of people talk shit about hard cases, and there's it's, it's very interesting. interesting. You, get, you get online, and it's like, oh, that'll break your leg. Uh, and I'm your like, leg down there. Stop it! <laughs> All right, I have, people think when you get off your bike, you're just flailing. I have had literally, I have had my hard case save my leg multiple times because it stops the bike from landing. It, on absolutely, you? <laughs> fuck yeah, it does. So anyway, go digressing. So, yes, this is this is the the. Widow hot bags. <laughs> in fact, we actually even tell people, hey, bring your bike yeah. the way you think you're going to go out. No, oh, it's so good. In fact, I think one of the things I want to do in 2024 is a how to pack your bike. So oh, dude, I'd love to I be in on that. I don't sell Moscow Moto. This show brought to you by Moscow Moto. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to call Pete up like, yo, bro, <laughs> fucking free ups. You could totally get him to come out, even though you don't. <laughs> totally. So Brian, he, Brian might have something to say. About he might. Uh, honestly, their dude, Jason who is like their customer service manager. He's, he just has this passion for writing. He was people. at Christian's birthday party. He, was. he is awesome. I Super like him a lot. Yep. So he and I have talked about this year doing some shit together, but one of the things I want to do with him is how to pack your bike properly. Yeah, sure. Uh, I joke around. Every time somebody comes to me, like, well, you do a lot of motorcycle camping. How do you pack your bike up? I'm like, give me a favor. Go home, pack your bike, and then get rid of half of that. Then I repack your bike, and then try to get rid of half of that as well. And then you've gotten close. Yeah. Because every time I've packed a bunch of shit, I don't use it. How many pairs of pants do you think I wear when no, I No, that's... <laughs> no, this is a dynamic. We could make a whole show on whole this. Show. We, should, right? we should keep this in mind for one of the shows. Let's talk about ADV writing. So that's the whole thing with Adventure 101. It's like we took our Group C track day mentality and said, how do we 
bring this to the adventure thing. I understand that I'm an exclusive Ducati dealership, but this is for everybody. So when we open it, we open it to everyone. Now, we've learned in the space that we have and the number of people that we have, it's better suited to a smaller yeah. audience. So we try to keep it sub 15, 16 people. Which is tough to do, but at the same time, it it's, sells out it's easy to do. Yeah. Well, I say like, tough oh, to do, do because it. you're like, the cost... It's just not the same as the cost no, of going no. to a track day. Not even a little bit. Not even. Not even a little bit. Plus, Gregor makes fresh. Oh, my God. His pizza. <sighs> Dude, he makes the best fresh pizza. The, I'm the sous chef while he's doing this. It's like one of my absolute favorite things in the whole wide world to do, to eat. Jamie and I went. I, so I went to that first one a really right. long time ago. I think it was rainy and muddy and gnarly. Perfect. Overkill somebody. Oh, yeah. That was Andy Janik from uh, yes. Illinois. Yes. And he, he did a good job of like kind of like getting so it set up. Right. But it needed a bit of polishing, and yeah. it got the Gregor treatment, and it's really and, good. Andy's like Adventure 201. Yeah. That was the thing. And in fact, he just did a class in SoCal with a bunch of people that I know, and they had the best time of their life. I bet. Because you could see. It was like, oh, man, this is Dude, probably— That guy's spirit moves you. A little too advanced for a few of these people. Right. But, you know, but that's the thing is you, when you're doing trainings, you kind of have to figure out that. And you were the—I've never heard of a dealership doing anything like this. So it's super— I loved it. You know— sharp end right to yeah. do this but jamie did it on our crf 250 yes. l and there was a point and you're gonna have to tell me what it was you you get people up on the ramp mm-hmm. and we had to stop it's and was it a, you, and was like, it a rear brake thing it was a it was a clutch slash rear brake thing and that i had never done i do it intrinsically but i had never seen it done like you've never heard it said and then so it helped to like do it and so again i've i've been riding a long time you learn you always, always have to be open to learning because yeah. you're always going to learn something yeah. from somebody. So when I saw Gregor do that in you, I was like, oh, that's bitching. Boy, that's a helpful thing to just have it in your head instead yeah. of just trying. Saves people's ass. Yeah, totally. That's the whole idea. So that's that's been sort of my thing. You know, I've, there, I've done so many other things. Frankly, let's kind of rewind to your original question of what I've been up to. <laughs> Obviously running a dealership. <laughs> 45 minutes yeah, later. 40 months, 45 minutes later. Welcome to Brap Talk. We're still all about the rabbit holes. It's one of my favorite <laughs> things in the world. I am your rabbit. Uh, I am Jack's sense of black holes. And I'm the hole, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> so running a dealership is its thing. That's what I've been doing. Last year, I thought it'd be fun to try to get a taste of Moto America Super Hooligan racing. I kept running into you in random cities. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always love to look on your face like, Shaheen, you're in Austin. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Shaheen, Laguna Seca. You're in Laguna Seca. Odd. <laughs> um, so we basically took a bone stock Ducati Monster SP with the fancy Olin suspension on there and put it in Moto America Super Hooligan with uh, our brappy little stepsister, Hannah Johnson. <laughs> uh, so Hannah is a super talented rider. She is this tiny human being who has, frankly, I think, a aerodynamic advantage over everybody. I think Hannah's five foot two. She's wee. Yeah, yeah. But she's a... She's a I, I guess I don't think of Hannah as... Seriously? Right? I know I'm... She's a, she's I'm not a big saying character. This, I don't... F- I don't think of Hannah as small. So when you're saying this, I'm like, my mom's five foot. And I'm like, Hannah's only that much taller. Yeah. But but I'm like, (laughs) I I guess she, she, yeah. Personality goes along. Hannah carries herself like a six foot one. Absolutely. Yep. Bodybuilder. Sure. Um, Frankly, I wouldn't fuck with her. She's tiny, but she's got a lot of power behind her. Um, So she and I talked about it and we kind of high fived on the idea of, Hey, let's do just a couple of uh, 
you know, super hooligan class stuff with this bike. We'll build it together and see what it does. And she got in there and just immediately was top 10. I mean, there are some seriously fast riders out there. Yeah, so sure. For this essentially club riot racer to go out there and become top 10 on the national level was really, really admirable. And I really loved it. We both learned a lot. It costs a lot of money. It's, it's, you know, yep. it's, it's a lot of blood and sweat that you put into it. And I understand why someone as rich as like the team owner that you were with yeah. or are going to be with yeah. can play at that upper echelon of that, you know, that level. Yeah. So we're just a bunch of club racers. We had some shirts that matched and yeah. high-fiving people. But for me, honestly, the thing was, I want to see more girls racing. Yep. And so when Hannah came to me, she's like, hey, do you mind? I'm like, fuck no, I don't mind. Let's, let's figure this out. It costs a little extra money, so let's just put some money aside for it and see what we can do. And let's have some fun with it. Um, frankly, in Super Hooligan, there were, I believe, four female riders. Patricia. Uh, Mal. Yeah. Mallory. Mallory, Dobbs. Hannah, and uh, my dearest Shalina. Uh, and, and Mallory... Shalina and Hannah were all on Ducatis, and Patricia was on the... Um, Indian? No. No, she was on the Harley, Harley Panam, which is a weird thing. They took a dirt glide, and they turned into a naked bike. I got a lot of issues with that. We'll talk about that later. That's a whole nother... The yeah. whole hooligans thing is a I, whole nother thing. I, the yeah. thing with the super hooligans thing is it's just kind of an open book of for interpretation, but it's also interpreted it's not, it's a mostly very closed, by one person. It's a closed book of not. Yeah. 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 Uh, so it's, it's confusing because you've got 100-something horsepower FTR-1200 Indian bikes and this 160-horsepower <laughs> Harley-Davidson Dirt Glide and like an 80... <laughs> A 94-horsepower Ducati Monster and a 100-horsepower KTM With, like, 60 pounds of lead lead weight on it, yeah. So it's an interesting, and it's funny when you watch it. You're like, yeah, those those fucking Indians are, like, on a different zip code than these other riders (laughs) on the same track. Yeah. So we learned a lot. It was it was fun to be a part of it, and you know, obviously, it's great to see a lot of friends in the industry and doing that. It was always fun to kind of run into you because you're you're so serious when you're like doing your business. You're like, I love the Quentin quick you know power walk. I gotta go do a thing. Yeah, but, you know, you always stop because you're so fucking friendly. You're like, hey, good to see you. High five, hugs. Okay, love you. Let's have dinner soon. Bye. It's, it's a problem thing because I think a lot of people are used to me being if they know me. Right. I right. think I have a little bit of RBF. So most people, if you don't know me, you're like, oh, that guy's an asshole. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. But Wait, you have RBF? <laughs> maybe. I just always assume, I'm just going to say, I assume that people wouldn't like me because they would just look at me and be like, fucking long hair. Anyway, long but, hair. but if Yuppie. I'm generally happy and gregarious and open uh, because I kind of have to be to manage my... Uh, my way because i'm a bit of an an introverted person so it's like i have to deal with that i've been doing it for a long many years of my life and i didn't know until recently that i'm not that way right and that's why i'm so tired at the end of a day and like after this like it's a lot of social interaction and i can do it i can code switch but boy is it gnarly but then when it's race time or at the racetrack it's go 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 yeah and you yeah. can't you you're, can't you got, you got your business hat on your no you doing can't business socks for you know, sure yeah the socks wrap around sure. sunglasses i see you yeah uh, <laughs> one of my favorite things in koto was when you saw me and one i'm super social surprise surprise and so i'm talking to like 
three different people three or four people and, at once and yeah i saw you standing at the sort of like the rear lift gate of your 18 wheeler yeah and you're doing something and i looked over and you're just grinning at me and shaking your head i was like <laughs> i know q i'm doing the thing you gotta shake babies in yeah, yeah. man you're doing the thing that's the industry thing right <laughs> so that was that was a that was a fun thing we did in 2023 i'm not sure if we'll do it in 2024 i think in 2024 i would personally like to force <laughs> i use the word force i know a couple of my friends and colleagues in ducati north america listen to this i would like them to be more involved in the in the <laughs> like adventure bike segment ah and and I okay and, yeah. the, and the reason i put this that way is because i had lunch with i want to name drop with claudio dominicali on december 1st it was really awesome this is the is he still the ceo he is the king dingling of ducati yeah. motor yeah. So, yeah, CEO of Ducati Motor Holding. And for some reason, I just felt led to tell him this. And I'll say it here, too. I think that certain brands like Ducati, when they bring a new, interesting concept that's out of their wheelhouse to the to the game, for instance, Ducati building a the middle bikes. Yeah, dirt bikes, or in this case, well, I meant the dirt, I meant the six summon yeah. whatever dirt so, bike. So when they are planning on doing something like this, they have a couple of options of how they're going to approach the general public option number one is to say we are ducati you're welcome we've made this for you <laughs> which is you that, laugh because you've the, seen this that's the normal right. thing and you're like of, you're welcome brands do this right <laughs> it's like we are delta this is what we do fuck off and fly oh god it, or, you know what ducati is the ron burgundy <laughs> of motorcycles <laughs> so so the other option is we are ducati we've built this really cool thing we would love for you to check it out that that's the motor course away yeah right right <laughs> and so when i said that to papa domenicali he wrote it down his eyebrows went up and he goes this is very interesting tell me more what do you mean by this i was like we as ducati are coming at people and i keep saying ducati because that's my realm but i feel like everybody who's building something new and interesting and wants to bring it to the public you can either come at it super proud or you can come at it somewhat humble and go hey I want you. I want Quentin Wilson to ride this thing and tell me how he what he thinks about it. And chances are I may not like his prognosis immediately, but I need to and I this is what I was telling Claudio. If and when you hear me say anything that you don't love about your brand, yeah, sure. Remember that I love your brand. I eat, sleep, dream your fucking brand. So it's coming from a place of love and it's coming from a place that wants to see it do better. <laughs> Truly. Because it because it'll help everyone. Right? Yeah, yeah. It'll, it'll the help the tide rises, you all rise. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Sure. So, so I, my hope and my goal is to constantly poke the bear on Ducati North America because that is my yeah, you know, my national uh, uh, ambassador, I guess. Of please be more involved, feet on the ground, show people this thing, because if you're gonna come sell dirt bikes in the U.S., you best be fucking prepared to come toe-to-toe with ktm and husky and yamaha and suzuki and honda and all these fuckers who've been doing it for years and years and years but straight up mostly ktm right mostly mostly because there are so many people that we both know that have ktms because ducati doesn't make anything correct right and they might have gotten a bmw but probably not they want so when they see the red thing and it's fancy and yada 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 they're gonna get that and boy you're gonna have to have your game ready and i'm i'm excited as a as a retailer i'm excited to pivot and have fun with it and learn how to how to support these new buyers 
but my, what I would ask and what I'm going to constantly poke the bear about is be there, go to all the events, go to all the giant loops and the tour and the fucking adventure, blah, blah, rally, Dude, whatever the fuck Where you met with a brick wall or where you met with maybe a little openness? I'm, I'm, I'm met with, let's call it reticent acceptance. Okay. So it'll be interesting. It's almost like you're going to have to not. I don't know if the right term. Papa Dominicali is way to, into it. So think, of course think, he is. I yeah. Think, I think it's the DNA folks it's, who have to it's, learn. It's the middle managers, the ten or fifteen middle managers between him and Ducati North and, America. And that's, I mean, that's every fucking brand, right? These people have Absolutely. their own. They have their own plans. They have their own yes visions, and they have their own whatever it is. And I'm sure there's pride and ego and book smarts and whatever that goes along agendas there's lots there's that, lots that of personal agendas but those of us on the ground you know the, the quote-unquote soldiers on the ground that mm -hmm. are actually selling and doing the thing and being yeah the stewards of you're the sport. one that has to pay the flooring for the bike yeah. that's on your floor that's right. not selling because they haven't done a good job marketing and so we that's where i'm coming at it's like hey i am that loudmouth guy who does the funny videos online all the time and i'm constantly putting myself out there because a i like it b I want people to not be intimidated by your brand, right? Ducati is owned by Volkswagen Auto Group, and it's directly under the Lamborghini name. And I get that it's super exclusive, but I want it to be for everybody because chances are Joe Schmo can afford a $30,000 sport bike. Chances are they could. If you make a decent enough living, you can probably... I have clients that drive $3,000 bullshit Toyota hardbody trucks. I say $3,000. You and I both know those are worth way more than that. Mm -hmm. But... They also have Panigale V4Rs, right? So motorcycles are, to me, and this is a very woo-woo way of thinking, but I feel like motorcycles woo -woo. are unifiers. That's woo. That's not woo-woo. That's just one woo. Single yeah, woo? that's single woo. All right. Woo. They're unifiers. We, those are, these are my favorite little inanimate objects that give you all these awesome, beautiful senses that you and I were talking about. You get to feel it, taste it, smell it, be a part of it, have conversations about it, make new friends over it, go have new experiences, check out, you know, Quentin Wilson's Instagram and go, I want to ride up to, you know, Triangulation Point or I want to ride to Texas or I want to do all these things. They are, they are vehicles, literally vehicles that can help you realize obtainable dreams. Even if it's an exclusive brand like Ducati, even if, I have a $63,000 Peco fucking number 63 replica bike at the showroom. That is still more approachable than any Porsche in a Porsche dealership. That is still more approachable than any other. Are you sure about that? Yeah, it is, bro. The cheapest, <laughs> cheapest Porsche right now is a bullshit four-cylinder Macan that's like 70 grand. Huh. Okay. Yeah. So if you want a sports I, car. I guess, yeah. I still would look at a, a Peco replica, a Peco. That's uh, <laughs> pretty intimidating if somebody's going to how much did you oh, say it is 63 grand but my oh point my is, god like, you don't have oh that, 63 man. of course yeah. Yeah. yeah get it get it <laughs> so the point is any motorcycle whether it's a klr <laughs> yeah or a harley dirt glide or a ducati desert x or whatever dirt bike you want to get to they are so much more approachable and obtainable and it's my privilege as a dealer to say hey come to my house come hang out with my people and let us show you why the fuck we love this sport and lifestyle so much we just happen to be a ducati dealer so what have i been up to that every day fucking 12 hours a day yeah seven days a week uh and that's why i love hercule Gurkling this time of year yeah because it gets dark a little bit earlier it's a little bit icy and snowy once in a and while and then you can 
plan for the 2024 of non-Herkel Durkel. Right. Yeah. Which again, I would say, what is the email again? WeBraptalk at gmail.com. Come up with the, op- the opposite of Herkel Durkel. Yeah, well, I mean, there probably is a Scottish term for... Well, that's, I guess that would be the proper way. It would yeah. be finding the Scottish term, but okay, whatever. Just saying. Yeah. Non-Herkel Durkel, mm-hmm. which for us in this part of the country is essentially from like March yeah. to October. Mm-hmm. The opposite of the Herkel non-Herkel Durkel. Durkel. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's been a it's been a fun time. It's been a lot of uh, connections and connectivity, and uh, I worked really hard in 2022 and 2023 to talk about like mental health, especially men's mental health. We tend to be kind of blocked up about that, so you and I can go into that later on in a different episode. Um, but I've been loving every minute of it. There's been plenty of ah, gritting my teeth and having to make organizational changes that maybe hurt someone's feelings or does someone a little bit better. That's, that's leadership. That's leadership. That's yeah. part of the hat, right? Right. Uh, but I get to come home to a partner who loves me a lot and then lets me get away with murder, basically. And I get to have days like yesterday where I can be like, hey, babe, love you to death, but going to hop on the Peace desert edge. We'll get lost. Out. And the um And the garage, I will say, I think from an enthusiast standpoint, you should probably li- – you have a pretty good garage, as you should. I made fun of it yesterday on video. I need to put it up later. I boy, the Kool-Aid at Ducati Lane. Yeah, yeah. Fucking Shaheen, dude. What are you doing, bro? It's tasty. I have a <laughs> – I have Anne's Monster, my street little baby street fighter, my Desert X, and then I just picked up a fucking Ducati mountain bike. Oh, yeah. Okay. And, so, I- oh, also there's my race bike, the Triple Nine. Where is that? That's at the that's at the shop being is, torn apart right now. Oh, okay. So it's not the it's, one that's it's, on it's the. It's sitting on the thing, but it's about to get taken down to get dolled up for next for the twenty twenty. Not Herkel Durkled, but the opposite. opposite. Of it's it. been Herkel Durkling all year. Yeah, it's been Herkel yeah. Durkling. So it's okay. gonna get anti Herkel Durkled. Okay, yeah, that'd be good because I remember at the towards the end of the year last year, I was like. I hadn't been on the track, and we were supposed to ride. I had so much fun riding with you. Thanks for letting me do that. Uh-huh. You turned it down 10 notches for me. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, I turned it down because I didn't want to die. But <laughs> I, we were supposed to ride the Superbike at the last race of the year in New Jersey. Yep. We were going to stay the next day, and I was going to get to ride the Westby Superbike, and I was so excited. Holy but then, shit. But then it rained, and it uh-huh. rained, and it rained, and, and and we had a pretty bad weekend, and bad things. I was like, it was going to rain. I was like, no, nah, no. Nah, nah. nah. we'll, we'll do it another time time yep. and then the team disappeared a few months later so no no go but i had had that oomph and so uh we just learned that's why the team disappeared they don't want you to ride the bike <laughs> right <laughs> but we had a situation at your last track which was late in the year which yeah. i don't the last track day of the year was like september and it it was an opportunity and again you only are like seriously five minutes from my house so yeah. i had to go over there and i was kind of hat in the hand like do you have anything i can ride but we had talked i was like i would love to have been able to get your bike going but it needs more than just a week's like yeah, yeah you no, need my, my bike needs a little love it probably needs belts and tires and all that it's stuff all right that, you know you, next week to do it right to get it right so i'm glad you didn't but i got to ride the super sport super sport yeah which was surprisingly good it is a sweetheart of a motorcycle no seriously and i I don't really like that 950 to 9 whatever engine. I haven't ever, mainly because the the hyper strata hyper. Yeah, the early that's really where it kind of came to life. Good because the middle hyper strata range from ten years ago was really not no really not good. Yeah, like I'm, I don't want to. I'm not going to shit on it. I'm it's just going to say now, but now that engine's in five bikes in the show. No, and it's good anyway. So that on the track, um, I, that was very fun. So thank you for that. That was super fun. It was great. Everybody that comes to the shop is like, wow, who did that to the tires? I'm like, 
Like your friend Quentin Wilson. <laughs> I was chasing him the whole time. He made this bike look very fast. <laughs> as, as slow as I could, to be honest with you. Just, right. Which was still a group pace. <laughs> Take a boy out of the track, but I don't know, something, something. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyways, I think, uh, let's see here. We, we've, we've, you know, you and I got a lot to say, and this is a pretty long show. Yeah. It's going to be like this, man. I think so. I think it's going to be of like feelings. this. I have a lot of things to talk about. Yeah, and it's easy. So it's so easy. So my hope for the rest of the year on this show is to, you know, have you on regularly. But I also want to have other people of note in this industry. I am probably going to do an episode with a couple of, let's call them obscure riders who nobody knows, like my wife or my friend Tamara, who picked up motorcycling recently, and. I want to hear their perspective. So I'd love to hear like the perspective of a first time female, especially rider who is getting into our little sport and how that looks and what works and what isn't working and what they would love to see change and what they like to see more of. And so I would like to do something like that. Uh, there's going to be several episodes and I've talked to a bunch of different friends and uh, industry leaders and cohorts and colleagues and peers that are in this craziness with us to come on board once in a while and just kind of give us a bit of their time and a bit of their knowledge. So look forward to that on the show. Uh, webraptalk at gmail.com. Uh, send us an email. Kind of tell me what you want to listen to. I'm, I'm uh, you know, what, what you want to hear about. What topics do you want us to cover, whether it has to do with dealership or racing or life in general? Um, and, you know, what kind of things you want to hear out of our loud mouths? Because, frankly, it's a very comfortable room here and we can sit here for as long as we want to and talk to you. So it's a it's a fun thing to put back together and keep talking about. Is there anything you want to mention or anything you want to ask? I would say the same goes for me, but like because I'm more of a technical person and I don't I would assume that kind of shines here and there just because it does. But is there anything that it it helps for us to make content, to be honest with you, because sometimes you're just in it so much that you forget. So if there's something you want to know and because I've had the privilege my woke privilege That's right. to, the to, word. to be able to be in the racing panic at a fairly high level. Yep. And you're my guy. Oh, well, you're working on a bagger now, whatever. I'm, I'm going to, it's still, it's, <laughs> it's just a 620 pound super bike. Brother Davidson I, with a 625 <laughs> pound NASCAR motorcycle. So if there is something I can't, sp- unfortunately, I was thinking about this today. I'm at the boat project and I can't video anything that I'm around because it's NDA time. <laughs> no, no, no. And then I'm at the, no. the Vance and Hines and I'm like, I can't video any of that. The fish right? I'm like, oh, I can't do anything. I'm, a, I'm I'm literally building a wicked log splitter. I know this. What? <laughs> I know this sounds strange. Amazing. Long story. But it, this is part of my why whirlwind. So one of the guys that I'm an engineer with is like, hey, I need somebody to do this fab job. Okay. All right. So, I, but I can't show any pictures of it because it's trick. And it's like, God damn it. I'm, uh, I love I'm it. like full on NDA'd out, right? Qu- Quentin is just NDA'd, nerdville, can't talk about any of it. And he's just bursting at the seam trying to tell us something. <laughs> so, give us a get, say, hey, I'd love to hear some technical thing. I may may not be able to say, and I might have to say, I defer to, but at least we'll have an idea and we'll be able to say, hey, I could get somebody cool on. I have one for you. Next time we talk, I want you to do some homework and talk about the Desmodronic valves. Now, okay, sure. I think it's. I think people think they know what it is, but like, I, you are so good at 
yeah. explaining things. And I've had to do English. it a lot. You know a lot about them. For, for 30. You've been elbow deep in those fucking things. 30 years almost. Yeah. yeah like 25, 25 years. Yeah. Let's talk about the point of them. What's the point of them? Okay. What's the, what's the appeal? What's good? What's bad? And excess, you know, something like that. Okay. So we talk at gmail.com. Make sure you write to us. Uh, obviously at brap talk uh, on Instagram is up and running. So follow us, send me lots of your pictures, writing and what you have planned, what your bike's been doing this winter and where you think you're going to go with it. Uh, this coming riding season, quote-unquote riding season, unless you're south of the 45th, 45th parallel and you can just do it all the time, <laughs> in which case, go fuck yourself, but still send it to me. Uh, <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, that's all I got. You got anything else? Nope. Herkel Durkel. Herkel Durkel. Safety third. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>